Welcome to Dead House. I'm Dylan. I am Nathan. And today we are reviewing The Strangers, 2008 mm-hmm. film. We mentioned this in episode one as uh, one of the first ones I think that we had both seen and realized that we both liked. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Which is pretty cool. And this is that one where I mentioned um, it was like a week after seeing it, we had someone try to break into our house. So this is probably why it's stuck in my mind for so long. <laughs> It's tainted your memory of it. It has. Um, I suppose before we get into the episode, we should probably do a, a general catch-up for the listeners. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Nathan just took a drink of water. Yeah, I was drinking my water there. Um, that was like bloody Anthony Hopkins or... was it? That was like Hannibal in Silence Butter of the Lambs. Butter beans and a nice glass of water. Uh, um, speaking of drinking, actually, yeah. not water, but the alcoholic kind. Right. I... Sorry, I dropped my phone. I... Want to tell you something? Uh oh. No, it's not. It's not bad. It's good. Okay. My faith in mead is restored. Okay. See, what is a mead? A mead is. I know it's like beer, but it's like beer. It's essentially honey water. Like. Oh, so, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, for a long time, mainly because of Skyrim, mm. I had this obsession with mead because mm-hmm. it just sounds so tasty, like some alcohol made of honey. A frothy mead. Like it's you know something that fucking Winnie the Pooh would drink. Um. <laughs> But and for the for years, mm. I was like, oh man, I really want to try it. I finally tried it like a year. Ago. I don't know when. Oh, I, was a year ago, it when, that I, like when I went to Tasmania. Festival? No, 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 I couldn't oh. find any there. Oh, true. Yep. Okay. When I went to Tasmania with the missus, mm. we went to the Cascade Brewery and we went like dinner at the bar there, and yeah. they served hot mead hot with mead. like a like a wedge or a ring of lemon in it. Okay, it was awful. Is that it, how they drink sakes? They have it hot most times. Like rice wine, is that yeah, what it is? Yeah, most times you have sake hot. Okay. But yeah, so it tasted like a fucking, like just like wine. And I hate wine. It was hot and lemony and sexy yeah. and it was gross. Okay. So he put me off and I was very disappointed. Last night, I went to my brother's house. Yeah. And he has a friend. Shout out Damo. That's it. He has a friend who brews his own mead. Oh. And it was fucking delicious. Okay. I was gonna, I was wondering <laughs> how this was tying in. <laughs> with, no, yeah. It's with just... the, the strangers, but the, it was, uh, that is very interesting. I yeah. don't think... See, I'm not a beer drinker. As you know, I drink like what whiskey, cider, that's about it. And occasionally yep. vodka, very occasionally. Um, I think the only beer I've had is, well, and enjoyed is... The Corona. Corona, just because mm-hmm. it's refreshing. But and that's everyone's intro to beer. Yeah, that's so easy to drink. It is very light, and maybe Asahi. I might have had a oh, sip yeah. of my dad's Asahi, and it was okay when it's like cold and just opened. Yeah, well, okay. Let me pitch this to you. This mm. this flavor of this mead. Okay. Do you like iced tea? It's all right. Okay, fuck no mind because it's it was like a like a sort of like an iced tea with honey flavor. Okay, and so he made that and like brought it in bottles for everyone. Or mm-hmm. okay, I think he had cool. his own labels for it too. It's like oh, nice. I think it's like seven percent as well. That's so cool. It'll get you a bit fucked up. Yeah. Okay. But Interesting. Yeah, that was my story. That's cool. Day. I uh, am officially on a week's holiday. I I felt like I cheated the system, but I, maybe I was just smart. So we've got Labor Day coming up, which is Labor Day is like a different day across the country, right? Or I, is it? I thought it was called May Day, but well, that too. No, that's, oh, the, that's the layman, I think. It's the Queen's birthday for some reason. That's it's not, different it's not, it's not in every day. Like it's a different day in each state, right? I I don't know, man. I don't know. The Queen's anyway, dead. Who cares? Anyway, so essentially, because I work Monday to Friday, by requesting four days off because Monday's a public holiday and I get weekends off, mm-hmm. I've got nine days off in a row. So, fuck, that's nice. Yeah. I don't even think I have nine days of annual leave saved up. Oh, dude, I've got like 350 hours <laughs> or something. Me. Well, like, just quit. Get I don't go anywhere. 
I should just take. We're talking about this before. I should just take like a bunch of time off to catch up on the goddamn movie list <laughs> yeah. that's ever growing. Just take a week. Um, what else have we been up to? So last weekend we saw Evil Dead Rise. So we the did, yeah. So let's talk about that. We because no, I don't want to say that. But anyway, we okay. yeah we uh, we saw Evil Dead Rise that came out into the cinemas, and and by the way, this episode is probably coming out like what a month after it's been released. So. Just to give you yeah. an idea. Yes. Well, we saw it like the same week it came out. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I was hesitant going into it because mm. it's just, for those who don't know the main premise, I'm not going to do any spoilers or anything like that. No, no. But the main premise of it is Evil Dead Rise. It's in a high rise in a in a city. So I was a bit worried about that. And it like, oh, it's going to lose the, the isolation that I love so much yeah. of... The Evil Dead movies. Well, yeah, part of what Evil Dead like revolved around was that cabin and the fact that there was no escape, even if you escape the actual building. Yeah, and like I mean, the trees and the bridge and all that. They they still do a good job in this movie, I think, to still get that sense of isolation mm. and not being able to escape. Yeah. Uh, my only criticism is if you remove like a couple of minutes and a couple of scenes, it's yeah. not even an Evil Dead movie. That's true, and we made that point when we left the cinema was like. What I really enjoyed about it was all the kind of homage to the Evil Dead franchise, whether it was like visual or dialogue references, but also it had all these kind of reenactments of famous horror movie scenes from other films we really love, like mm. The Shining and The Conjuring and things like that. And, and the original Evil Dead. And obviously. the Evil Dead, yeah. So if you remove the whole aspect of the Book of the Dead, it could just be an original... Yeah. unique, awesome current horror film. Which, honestly, I think I would have liked it more because now it's got this yeah. uh, franchise attached to it, which yeah. you're going into it comparing it with the original Evil Dead. That's true. But I suppose with every installment in that franchise, they have to reintroduce the whole concept behind the Book of the Dead and the evil and the spell because it's new characters. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. If they didn't do that, it could have been its own standalone film completely unrelated. Yeah, but then maybe it wouldn't be as famous as widespread. Probably wouldn't have even been made. That's true. But I mean, it was it was graphic. It had like equal balance, I feel, of jump scares with just like Tension. suspense and just like general dread as yeah. well. And practical effects mm. done very well. That's it's true. good, good yeah. to see shit like that these days, man. It was very nice. I admittedly get like went into it expecting to be disappointed but even just the opening sequence and then you see the title card i was like okay this is fucking sick okay the title the title card mm. very good that I was love, cool i love that yeah well that's good so because you went into it with low expectations mm. and you liked it i went into it with zero expectations really and i liked it yeah so if you don't like it cool <laughs> So go see Evil Dead Rise while it's at theatres, uh, yeah. if it's still at theatres by the time you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, so then, and then Thursday you, you came around mine and we watched this movie that we're talking we about, did. Strangers. Yes, so we each hadn't seen this film for probably 10 years or so. 10 years plus. And I think the last time I saw it would have been a, an all-nighter we had. Yeah, so we would have been in high school and... I was worried going into it again <laughs> before recording this that it had been immortalized in my mind because of how much I enjoyed it the first time mm -hmm. and just like reminiscing on it, you know, over that period. But seeing it again, uh, it still definitely stood up and I can see why I enjoyed it so much. Was it as good as you remembered? It was better than I remembered. It, okay. Because, um, yeah, I didn't remember much about it other than the main premise and a 
few select scenes because yeah. I know it's dog shit. Um, but yeah, I came out of it. And even while watching, I was like, oh no, this, this mm. is good. I remember why I like this now. Because I suppose like home invasion horrors or thrillers have been done to death. But the fact that this was before things like The Purge and Hush, like this was mm. 2008. So this kind of like sent set the benchmark for that style of horror film, but also was different to those other ones. Yeah, well, it, to it to its own sort of detriment occasionally, because we'll get into it later, but mm. because there's not much of a story to it, Yeah, but that's something that I love about it. Well, like, It doesn't need to necessarily have an overarching, overarching story. Yeah. It can just be what it is. That's right. It definitely has mixed reviews. Like we mentioned this when we brought it up in the first episode, is like people either love or hate that film. Yeah, like Robert... Robert Roger Ebert yeah. that was his name. Yeah. yeah. What he said, he gave it one and a half out of five stars. Yeah. Yeah. Good lord. I think I don't want to. I, I can't quote him verbatim, but I think he said something like it was well crafted, but uh, what was it? It was well crafted, but nothing in the world could save that story. <laughs> yeah, the story, and I think he even said the acting. Yeah, so. because well, a lot of the criticism is like the common argument is that it does have good tension, and like literally from the first scene, there's tension, mm. but. Yeah, bad acting and no real story beyond like a premise that you could fit in two sentences on the back of a DVD cover, yeah. which I kind of like. That's to all be it honest. needs to. Because what was the budget of this? Like nine million, something like that. That does sound familiar. Eight or nine million. Mm. Like it's, you don't. You're so, so going and you're not going to have like super effects and yeah. How many? There's what seven people in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and, e- and even then, like the two boys, you only see them the very start and the very end. So it's pretty much just revolving around i guess the five for most of it but um yeah i suppose we should uh mention it was written and directed by brian bertino Mm -hmm. and interestingly this was his third screenplay ever written and he from what i've read entered it into this contest uh which won and he sold the rights to it um to universal who uh Wanted someone else to direct it, and I believe they had two friends that were going to co-direct the film, and that fell through. So it was bought by Rogue Pictures, who eventually produced The Strangers, and they actually went back and asked Bertino to direct it himself anyway. That's just a fucking win-win, because he he gets the money because he fucking sold it to them, Mm. and then they come back and want him to direct, so he's going to get another director's fee. That's right, yeah. And And then I'm sure... He probably goes, I don't know anything else he does, but he probably mm. went on and directed something else because of that. Well, yeah, I had not heard the name before or since. And to be honest, I think the only other thing he's like largely credited for was the 2018 sequel, The Strangers Pray at Night, mm, okay. which I have not seen and I probably won't because I have not heard good things. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's just a letdown. And I don't think it needed to continue. Like, they already kind of show in this film and through dialogue that... Like, it was just happenstance. Like, it didn't really have a story that could be furthered in a sequel, particularly 10 years down the line. But, yeah, so it's 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 interesting that he, I think, wrote that as well. So maybe he had an idea. And from what I understand, the sequel is, like, a family on a road trip that stay in, like, a... Um, like a trailer park? Caravan park or okay. something, yeah. And, and it's the, the same three kind of masked intruders from the original, which I don't know if I like that just from the <laughs> synopsis, but... Um, yeah, and the the couple uh, cast, you know, it was Liv Tyler as Kristen and Scott Speedman as James, which is an odd casting choice, I think, but they did play a pretty convincing couple. I don't know Scott Speedman at all. Has he been in anything else? The only thing, like, 
from recent memory I've seen him in was the TV adaptation of Animal Kingdom, which is one of my favorite <laughs> Australian films. Um, but other than that, I think he's only had smallish kind of roles, particularly not in horror either, as far as I'm aware. He was in the Underworld movies. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, interesting. And Liv Tyler, like, <laughs> the only other thing I remember her from was, like, The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Oh, she was in that, wasn't so she? So I Well, she was in Lord of the Rings, mate. Oh she, well she, yeah, but And then also daughter of Steven Tyler. Yeah. So yeah. explains the screaming. So well, interestingly about the screaming is um she's quite a softly spoken character. I don't know if she's like she might be the same in person as well. But apparently she got tonsillitis on set <laughs> from screaming so much. Because she just wasn't used to like portraying those kind of characters or acting in those kind of films. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, because we watched some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and even in that, she was very, like, soft-spoken. Yeah, true. seemed very... talks like this. Yeah, which I found just contributed to that odd casting choice. But, yeah, I mean, it worked well. For those who have not seen it or heard of The Strangers, it's essentially a couple that are terrorized by three masked intruders at a holiday home. That's it. That's all you need to know. That's pretty much it, yeah. Yeah. The story doesn't really expand on that apart from the fact that you learn early on that the couple were at a friend's wedding and then for some reason at a wedding, James proposed to Kristen and Look, she rejected give, him. It give him some credit. At least he didn't do it inside where people could see because that's a dick move. He, yeah. At least they were outside in this super romantic car park. Yeah. Know, and then just pulls out of your fucking that's wedding true. engagement ring and she obviously says no. The look on her face <laughs> was so funny. They didn't even show her like response. It was just the look on her face was enough. <laughs> I mean, that's a rookie mistake. You don't you don't propose to someone unless you know they're going to say yes. Well, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. But um, like I said before, uh, starting with tension from the get go, um, like once you get past the the intro sequence, um, and it's the first kind of scene of that couple. They're just driving in silence and she has like tear stained cheeks and he mm. has, I believe, like bloody knuckles gripping this steering wheel super tightly and there's no dialogue. Yeah. Do you ever find out why he has the bloody knuckles? Because I, I was confused by that and I was like, oh yeah, so yeah. I, I like how they jump into it as if something's just happened. I'm mm. like, oh yeah, we're kind of jumping in straight. Cool. Yeah. Bit of mystery behind the characters. Yeah. But then it's like, why is he a bloody knuckles? Just punching a wall or something? I think so. It must have been frustration because like you can see through their interactions, he's not abusive. So we didn't hit her. And like, she doesn't have any bruises or blood or anything, but yet I'm, guess- <laughs> I'm guessing he just, yeah, was frustrated and like hit a wall or something, which yeah, okay. I kind of like that. So you're, you're diving into this because that like wedding scene flashback of the proposal, that's later. So yeah, yeah. you're going into this film, you can see something bad has happened. Um, and it's already awkward just driving in silence mm. after a fight. So I, I kind of like that thing. Cause it's just like a small detail of like blood on the knuckles. Yeah. But if they don't address it anywhere in the movie, it just kind of makes your mind go back and like fill in the gaps. All right. Well, what, like, like we, what we yeah. just did. Like, okay. I guess something happened. You just got angry and punched a wall or mm. you got in a fight with some other guy. Yeah. It's like that age old trick of show don't tell mm. in film, which I thought was perfect essentially in this opening sequence. Mm. And, um, I suppose also, like I mentioned before, how the whole home invasion aspect is kind of similar to The Purge and Hush, which both came out afterwards. But in The Purge, the main characters and the intruders kind of reach like a stalemate, you know, towards the end of the film where essentially, so The Purge is like this one day or night of the year where all Mm -hmm. crime's legal and they get broken into and hunted down but they kind of like sit there confiscate the weapons and it's like all right we're going to ride this out till morning whereas in hush like she 
like overcomes the killer and becomes the victor. Whereas in this one, there's just dread. They, <laughs> you know, there's like no one wins. Um, there's no like tug of war between sort of like, you know, rooting for the character. Then all of a sudden someone gets taken away from them. Then they've got the comeback. It's just constantly downhill from the I, first. I guess I can see that being the reason why a lot of people don't like it. Yeah. Because there's no, like you're not really rooting for the characters. Mm. It's There's no like back and forth with the good guys and the bad guys. Yeah. You're just watching a series of unfortunate events happen. Yeah, pretty much. And um, it was set in the one location apart from the flat, the flashback of the wedding. Like it's just this remote, mm. isolated holiday house. And, you know, it's like early in the morning, it's dark. There's trees like, all around like, the property. What was the time? It was like 4 a.m. 4 a.m., I think, when they get the first knock at the door. Yeah. yeah. So obviously you're already got that isolation which is key well i have a question for you because mm. at the beginning of the movie it does a thing that i don't know how i feel about where it starts the movie with like a flash forward to the end of the movie yeah i don't know if i like that or that because they did it in the like pet cemetery remake mm. and i feel like it was a waste of that movie like that movie probably would have been better if it yeah. didn't have that but i don't know like is that good is that bad like i guess it gives you a sense of what's to come yeah but it's kind of also ruining the end of the movie <laughs> i yeah that classic trick of like having the last scene at the start and then expanding on it towards the end of the film uh that i feel only works really well when it pertains to the storyline whereas in horror when they do that it's kind of like here's a shot of all this destruction in clear daylight now the next 80 minutes is going to be mm. how it got to be there but i agree it's not really necessary yeah i guess it's just their way of like having something at the very beginning to try mm. and keep people hooked of like, hey, look at this, look at this, look at what happened here. Now sit through the next hour and a half to mm. see how it happened. Well, also while that I believe is showing, because it's like these two Mormon boys that are kind of like going door to door in the neighborhood trying to convert people or whatever. <laughs> whatever those Mormons um, do. And are they Mormons or Jehovah's Witness? Oh, it could be Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, it's yeah. probably them. And it's like a shot through a damaged car windshield of them. Um, and it's kind of like a heart-shaped hole. I don't know if that was intended or that's just how it broke. But Spread the love, baby. Yeah. So it's like just showing them. And then I think there's like the 911 call from one of the boys who's like playing the background. So I guess you kind of needed uh, that. If that's the case, then I'm an idiot because I thought that was a woman speaking. Oh, no, I which, think... Which now occurs to me doesn't make sense. I mean, they were young boys. They probably hadn't hit puberty yet. Yeah, but at the start of the movie, I thought that was the main, like her, like Liv Tyler's character. But obviously not, because she never gets a chance to. I don't think so. No, yeah, it's probably not. My I'm, memory I'm might just, not be serving I'm me well, just but... just dumb. Um, but yeah, so there was, there was that which was... Um, yeah, I suppose the f only real questionable thing I have with the film, now that you mention it. Um, but other than that, like... When we watched the behind the scenes with the director, Bettino was saying the interior set design of the house, which, you know, they found a house for outdoor locations, but all the indoor scenes were actually, it was a set constructed in an empty warehouse. Mm. And they actually mentioned they had troubles with the audio mixing for that film because it was such a big reverberant space that if they screamed or there was a bang or something. It would just echo. <laughs> yeah, the, the tail would echo for like 15 seconds, which made it tricky. So yeah, it's was all, it, was, it was so weird seeing like, because in some of the behind the scenes footage, it's they're filming it. Mm. And it's like, oh, this horrifying scene happening. But then there's just like an, a giant empty warehouse around them. Yeah, Like yeah. it's almost more ominous. Yeah, yeah. And the 
director was saying the set design was made like a really comforting warm home so when people come in and destroy it it almost feels like a violation mm. which home invasion literally is it's like your safest space and someone's breaking into it yeah i mean i guess they it's just meant to be like a, like a house that anyone could be at they just wanted to make it the every man's mm. house yeah so i thought that was interesting and um we watched the unrated extended edition on Blu-ray and I think that's the first time we'd seen that version because it had that all the theatrical and we opted for the former. Mm-hmm. But Always go unrated. Yeah, but apparently it had like two minutes of extra footage from memory. Um, but we didn't remember the intro of where it says this was inspired by two events and they kind of like detail the increase in like um, home invasions and violence around the, the time it was set. Mm-hmm. Um that was like a spoken voiceover as well. Mm. And then there's this line at the end where the couple are tied up in chairs and it's the next morning and the intruders, uh, you know, have them tied up and they're like taunting them, ready to kill them. And they ask the killers like, why are you doing this? And they just say, because you were home, mm. which was like a big tagline for the film yeah. poster I mean, as well. It's, Cause it's a big, it's a big gut punch at the end of the movie of, all this fucking shit's just happened. Why did it happen? Well, because they were just home. Yeah, like there was no point. It could yeah, have been anyone. It could have been anyone. They were just unlucky. If yeah. You take that out of the movie and then it's, I don't know, I feel like it loses something. Yeah. And when we watched this version of it, that was not in there. Mm. Like it had that sequence where they were tied to the chairs and, but but it's, yeah, they never asked that question and there's never that response from the yeah. intruders. So that was different. Odd choice to take out. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people didn't like that critics of the film because there was no motive but i feel like having no motive is almost scarier because this could be anyone anytime anywhere yeah which is i guess also part of the reality of it as well Mm. yeah there's also because in that opening uh bloody wall of text not a wall of text in the opening text scene Mm. it has the classic inspired by true events yeah, very like, loosely. Yeah, I hate that shit. I hate when movies market themselves as yeah. inspired by true events. When the true events of this that this movie was inspired on was what was mm. it the the guy who wrote it, Brian Bettino? Yeah, when he was a kid, someone knocked on his door asking if anyone like if a certain person was there. Yeah, and then they found out later that they broke into someone's house. I was like, well, mm. okay, I guess I can see how that would be like spawn an idea to write this. Yeah. But when they market the movie as like, oh, this is so scary. It happened based on real events. It's like, yeah. fuck off. Yeah. Because it is, it is the same shit with like The Conjuring. That's all inspired yeah. by true events. Um, unless shit. it was like based on a specific historical event. I feel like you don't <laughs> need that. Because to be honest, every creative idea is inspired by something in real life. Yeah. So it's just, it's just I don't know, it's, just, it's a marketing gimmick that I hate. Like yeah. Zodiac, that's, that's inspired by true events. Yeah, exactly. That I'll accept. Yeah. I, I feel like if they just removed that like printed on the on the first scene and they still had like the Jehovah's Witness boys and the because you were home thing. Like I'd be fine with it. It's just that inspired by true events and then like yeah, later on in interviews out of the films out and they ask him how and he says, Oh, this thing happened when I was a kid. It's like, oh it's a bit <laughs> of a stretch. Yeah. So yeah, anyway. Minor grievances aside, uh, interestingly too, just while we're talking about dialogue from the intruders, there's only really like three lines in the entire film that they speak. And it's just the girl. It's one of, because the, the intruders is a masked man and then two girls. Yep. And ba- it's just the one girl that speaks, yeah. isn't it? So aptly named Bagman, Pinup Girl and Dollface. <laughs> yeah. So that's, do- that's- is it Dollface, I think, that speaks or is it Pinup Girl? When? When to the Mormon? Well, oh, the, sorry, the, the, only, the only one that speaks throughout the film. There's, like the, there's the ones at the door, the blonde ones one. are the, the boys, and then there's the one 
um, when she's like in the pantry and she's like, you're going to die. Mm, okay. Yeah. So I guess so. Yeah. So that's literally it. Other than that, um, all the dialogues is between James and Kristen, which is quite interesting. And something I love probably most about this film and why I think it stuck with me so long for a premise that has been not death is that it relies so heavily on sound. Like when it's just got a shot of Kristen, Liv Tyler's character freaking out in the lounge room and you can just hear like footsteps and then there's a bang on this wall. Then all of a sudden there's like wind chimes on this other wall Mm. and all this stuff's happening and it's just leaving it up to your imagination, which as you've said in previous (laughs) episodes is always scarier than actually seeing something. Yeah. But on the contrary, like whenever we see the intruders, they're always in full view or you only hear them. So it's not like it's gradually showing glimpses of them. It's like they're fully there in the background or they're standing there right in front of the character um, or you can just hear them banging or running around, Mm. which is really different. It's not like a slow build up to when are we going to see who the killer really is or where they are. It's like from the get-go, this is what they look like. This puts them in plain sight. Yeah. Which most of the time doesn't work, but I feel like it's when it's monsters, you don't want to see it. When it's just people, I like that. Yeah. Like the I'll talk about it now, but there's that scene which I've always remembered and stuck with me and I think is the main reason I love it so much. Yeah. Of the first time you see the, the Bagman one, mm. Bagman guy, is like when she comes in and she's in the kitchen, like she's already heard the knocking. Uh, that notorious kitchen scene. It's just scene. a super, yeah, the notorious kitchen scene. It's just a super long shot yeah. where she's going about doing shit, I don't know, looks out the Like the grabbing kitchen. glass of water or yeah. whatever. And the entire time, he's like standing there in the background. Just, just back, what? Background. <laughs> back, background. In the background. That's the, the up, that's the fuck up of this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's just standing there in the background and it's just like, oh, yeah. there's just something it's, about that scene. It's so good. It's just so, it's like that classic um, scream thing. It's like, turn around, <laughs> it's behind you. Because he's just like standing there watching her. And what I love is like, it doesn't cut away. Like it's a really long shot, like a handheld long shot. And he just kind of like steps forward into the light, Mm. studies her for a bit, like tilts his head and then steps back before she turns around and that's it. So that, yeah, that is probably the best, I think, scene of the entire film. And it's it's funny watching it because there is that like you're watching and you're screaming turn around. But if you think about it, like in real life, there's there's how many times a day are you standing with your back to an empty hallway or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're sitting now. You can't really see behind you. Yeah, and you you might not be telling me that there's someone (laughs) behind me. Oh, hi, Steve. (laughs) Um, And yeah, that's kind of like what I was saying about the killers are always... Like, apart from when they're kind of stalking them and trying to distract them by knocking at one end Mm. of the house then knocking at the other, um, they're in full view. And it would have been so easy to just use one of those classic, like bathroom mirror jump scares where you know there's nothing behind them open the cabinet close it and then they are instead it's just yep here's the killer mm. you, you get a real good look at them for like 10 seconds or so and then they're gone it's, it's just so it's, different it's way scarier when she doesn't see it like, yeah, the, yeah. It's, it's the audience i think oh i want to say it was alfred hitchcock right when he did one of his movies and he was talking about like how to create suspense. Mm. And he's talking about this scene where, I can't remember which which movie it is, but it's like an outdoor cafe. Okay. And it's like, there's a bomb under the table. Oh, okay. But he's like, he, he pretty much says, if you show the audience that there's a bomb under the table, the entire time, they're going to be like, holy shit, there's a bomb under the table. Fuck, 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 there's a bomb. Yeah. Whereas if you'd not shown the bomb and then it explodes, it's like, well, you're losing all that tension and suspense for yeah. a cheap scare. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So it's, it's really good to like, 
show mm. the audience something that's pretty creepy, terrifying. Yeah. But then the the character doesn't doesn't know about it. That's interesting. And uh, yeah, so the film kind of like opens with the uh, that nine one one call, I think, and then showing the Mormon boys. Oh, uh, sorry, what do we say? They're Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> yep. All religions are the same. Oh, it's fine. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, and then that's that opening sequence of when they're driving in silence. So, yeah, it's pretty tense from the get-go. And so they come back to this holiday house and James has, like, set up rose petals everywhere. There's, like, champagne and a huge tub of ice cream that mm. just slowly melts on the dining table throughout the film. S- sits there because they never put it away and it's got to be milkshake by the end. Yeah, and I... Would have been great if there was a scene where she's running and she grabs it and, like, <laughs> throws milk in, in the his face. <laughs> Um, and what I really liked about this was it's when it's the awkward moment of them coming back to this scene where it's all been set up for the happy ending, which doesn't happen. And it shows him like helping her undress to like have a bath or whatever. And, um, it's always, the camera's always like behind her and you only see her face in reflections or Mm. if it does show him talking to her, she kind of turns away, hides her face. And I thought that was a really good kind of like representation of the shame that she might feel mm. of having rejected him. Well, I mean, because it's not like she's a bad person. Like she's mm. obviously not ready to get married. It's like, yeah. well, it's a shitty situation. And they're quite amicable because there's a point where obviously like situation sucks and he decides to, you know, let her enjoy the holiday house to think things over. And he like leaves in the car and yeah, they were, you know, somewhat okay. Mm. Uh, obviously, they still love each other or whatever. And well, because just... they go to get it on at some point. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah, it gets pretty close there. And he leaves with the car. And that's, I think, when... Because um, before this point, you get the first knock, which is at like 4 a.m. They open it and it's a girl asking, is her friend here? And it's in darkness. Mm. And it's because the light bulb in like the porch light has been unscrewed. So you can't see a face, mm. which is really smart, but it also plans to see that, okay, they've done this before. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice touch. Cause they don't like explicitly say that it's just a dark um, port front porch. Yeah. And then when she leaves, he like adjusts it and it's like, Oh, it's just slightly unscrewed. Yeah. Cool. And you, I guess he doesn't really think much of it. Yeah. True. And then it's when James leaves in the car um, that you get the knock again, um, and I love how Liv Tyler's character like visibly jumps at the knock. It's just like a, like it's not a big bang or yeah. anything at this stage, but you can see how tense she is. Well, look, nobody likes getting door knocked. All right. <laughs> I hate answering. We the used door. to do that. <laughs> um, I remember once actually we were having an old night at a friend's place and we ran down to someone's house. I knocked on their door. And as I'm, as I'm running away, I screamed your name. <laughs> <laughs> thrown into the bus yeah i'm so sorry they were like they pulled the <laughs> curtains aside and allowed you like looking who it these was. days you could get shot for that <laughs> i know well again there's like an unlocked door in in here and she mm. only locks it after like the second interaction with that chick like and i mentioned this when we we're watching it it's like every horror film we're watching for this pod there's an unlocked door but i guess to counter it they've got a fucking loaded shotgun yeah, under the bed at all times yeah, or something it's, it's america unlocked doors loaded yeah. guns it's like would it you wouldn't need so many guns if you just locked the door. <laughs> well, no, they keep the door unlocked so that they can entice people in to shoot them. They're giving them incentive. Exactly. Anyway, uh, and then... So, James has left. The chick knocks again. She speaks to her through the door. She's like, no, you already came by here. Um, she thinks she's just kind of like looping back after going door to door asking for a friend or mm. something. Um, and that's when all the like weird stuff inside the house starts happening. Like, 
the room starts smoking up and then she realizes the chimney's been closed. Yeah, I really like that because it's like, it pretty much shows that, yeah, there was a chick knocking at the door. Mm. There's a, there must be a second person because it wasn't smoking a second ago. Yeah. But now when she's left it and gone back, it's closed. It's like now you know it's just a distraction. Mm. And, and it sets up that someone's in the fucking house. Yeah, and before this, she's plugged her phone into the charger when she sort of gets on a chair and disables the smoke alarm. Um, which is kind of like a bad omen because it means shit if there's a fire later on in the film, they're not going to know until they smell it or hear it. Yep. The phone's gone from the charger and then at some point the smoke alarm ends up like neatly placed on a chair yeah. as well. So it's just, it's like just, just fucking with her by this point, which I love because that whole sequence, I mentioned this before, it's just like 10 minutes or so of just weird shit happening inside to just like creep you out. Like if yeah. you were home alone and something moved, like unless you're aware that you lived in a haunted house. <laughs> That's creepy. Well, I just misplace things all the time. So <laughs> I, I might've just moved it myself. Where are or, my glasses? Oh, they're on my head. <laughs> oh, so many times. No, well, because there was, there was a pretty famous case here. I think it was America or something. Yeah. Where people thought they were living in a haunted house mm. because they were like, oh shit, you know, stuff would move, stuff would, they'd oh, put something down and find somewhere this. else. And it turns out they were just having like carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, that's not where I thought you were <laughs> <Okay>. going. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like the Reddit story of where food was missing and things were being misplaced and it was like homeless people living in the attics. Yeah, that's creepier. But no, this was where yeah. they just, turns out, I don't know what it was from, but there right. was carbon monoxide in the house and so they were having like short-term memory loss and oh, they were wow. actually forgetting they put shit everywhere. Interesting. That's that's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so all that weird stuff happens. You hear like a door close at some point inside as well mm. just after she's heard the knock or the voice at the front door. So... Uh, yeah, would definitely put you on edge. Oh, yes. And it's this point, I think, where she goes to the window and she like rips the curtains aside. Oh, this and is the a bag man's an, head is an there. example of a fucking good jump scare. Yeah, and it, to be fair, this is like the only jump scare in the entire film. Uh, I think. Yeah. Well, what about the shotgun? Is that a jump scare or probably not? Because you kind of expect it. Mm, I wouldn't say that's a jump scare because it's not done to scare you. Yeah, I guess it's just done. We'll explain later, but yeah. it's, it's just done for effect, but it's not so much to like make you jump, I don't think. Because you can you can hear them walking down the, stair, uh, down the hall and you can see the shadow. So yeah, you know okay. it's coming because he's waiting there with a loaded shotgun. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's, I don't know, it kind of, it's a jump scare, I guess is so effective because it plays on the, the amount of times you're like, it's dark and you mm. look outside and there's nothing there. Yeah. But then your mind is like, what if there is someone there? What and if there's a fucking little girl in a white dress yeah. with a fucking torn up face? And I suppose furthermore, you wouldn't expect to see a man in like a Hessian sack mask with a graffitied on smiley face. <laughs> yeah. You would just expect a person. And like right fucking up against it as yeah. well. Yeah. So I think it's really well done that that's like one of the few, if not the only jump scares in the film. And that's when all the chaos ensues because mm. from that point onward, they're like bashing on all the walls. They're running around. She starts screaming. Um, this is where everything starts going downhill for the, the couple. Going downhill, but ramping up. Well, yeah. Because at this point, Dollface, I think, or it's Pinup Girl, one of the other girls, the intruders, um, appears at the door. And it's because I think she forgets to lock it, classic. Um, <laughs> they just open the door. Or she like opens the door to run out or something. And then the face is right there in front of her and she screams. I read that Liv Tyler deliberately chose not to see the masks until that big reveal in shooting. Oh yeah, that old classic one. So I always love when they do that. I mean, I know that like that kind of mask isn't scary, scary. It's just that, like I said before, you would expect to just see a person, not mm. a person in a mask. 
I mean, it is a bit of a creepy mask. Mm. Like, there's something about the way he stands, like the the bagman guy. Something yeah. about the way he stands. It looks so almost not human. He's just kind of standing there. He's almost slumped forward a little bit. Yeah, like yeah. maybe heads tilt a little bit. He just he's, he just looks out of like otherworldly. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like I know you've never seen Slipknot live, but like <laughs> they come out at the start of the set and they just kind of like stand there with some eerie music playing, just watching the crowd. I bet, it, it reminded me of that. I bet they love this movie. Yeah, yeah, surely. Well, it's got masks. Yeah. Well, because what, what, who's the guy in Slipknot? Like clown or something? Didn't he make his own horror movie or something? Uh, he does have a film production company. He's dabbled in short films. There you go. That's I'm, yeah. I'm vindicated. Um. But this is also where you get, like, the skipping vinyl. It's just, like, this one bar that keeps, like, skipping over and over again. And mm. it's, like, a really good juxtaposition because it's kind of a cheery song. And it's just this, like, three-second loop when all this crazy shit is happening. Mm. Kind of just, like, sets the whole scene on edge. I think it was sung by a band that was, like, Something and the Strangers. Oh, so a little really? bit of an Easter egg for anyone who would actually fucking know that song. That's cool. From, like, three words of, yeah, uh, well. of vocals. <laughs> No, because they play it on before. They play it on. They, uh, they put it on the play a bit beforehand. Because, but no music. Oh, uh, yeah. So maybe one of them that made it inside put it back on. Yeah, because and then she bumps cause, it because there's a scene where like she's walking somewhere and then all of a sudden it turns back on. Yeah. Okay. Because there's the piano as well, like an an old piano in the house, and she kind of plays like the C octave, and then I like that later in the film when they're hiding. This is like further into the the night, um, or the morning. They play that same melody, this, and I. This goes to show our difference. What it was a C octave? How the hell do you know that? What they, <laughs> they just play every, um, they just play every ivory note in the C octave in the key of C. The fact and that you picked up on that is crazy. So there's like, well, I just like the. Well, I play keyboard for those listening <laughs> that do not know. Um, so there's like those eight notes, and then later in the film when they're hiding and one of them's in the house, they play that same melody. I like that. I did not pick up that it was the same thing. Well, I what I really liked about that was because when she plays that earlier in the film when she's home alone and James has just left, none of the weird shit has happened yet. So I know like just oh, playing yeah. the C octave is like a super common melody for people that just see a piano and want to touch it. But to me, that makes you aware that they were listening well before they did the first knock. Yeah. Well, maybe he was even already inside. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So I thought that was cool. I don't know if I'm reading into that no, too much. No, I like it. That's that's counted in my books now. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> um, and then by this point, James has come back because um, Kristen has called him. And she's freaking out. She doesn't want to stay there alone tonight. So oh, he no. comes back and um, I think he like... Comes in and she says someone was here. You know, my phone's gone. And he's like, oh, don't be silly. He's he does a, a bit of a fucking house. dick about it, isn't he? He doesn't he believe is. her at all. Wait, she's just rejected his proposal for fuck's sake. Like, yeah, he's but- spent a lot of time and money getting this cabin ready. <laughs> but she's also, like, got a cut on her hand. Because I don't know why she did it. She must... Because she grabbed a knife. I'm guessing that's Yeah, she probably grabbed it blade first <laughs> yeah. or something. But I don't know. What, what does he think? She's crazy and cut herself? Like, yeah. Believe the bitch. Yeah. He's so um, dismissive. Yeah, that was a bit of abrupt i thought um so they clear the whole house including the goddamn shower curtain yeah you always got to leave that open if you if someone's in your house immediately reef open the shower curtain you know it would have been creepy if there was a, a shot later where it was closed again oh, i would have liked that, that would have been good yeah but then they would have just done the cheesy jump scare where it's closed they open it there's still no one in there but then there's someone behind them but they could have just not done that just leave it closed and they open it and then they move on yeah maybe like know. a double or, bluff or, yeah maybe you don't even have to have anything like it just it pans by it and mm. it's closed again. I don't know. I just think that would be cool. Yeah. 
But I, I think it's this point where they've like cleared the house and then they're down, I think in the basement and there's like this window where they can see one of the girls outside just watching them. Well, it's not a basement, it's a garage. Oh, a garage, sorry. There's no, yeah. there's no basement. Yeah. And they're like looking through the window and they see the girl watching them. Um, and then I think it must be this point where he decides to go back to the car because he forgot his phone. Yeah he's, like, he's, yeah, he's like, fuck, I left my phone in the car. Yeah, and he goes outside and the car has been destroyed. Like, all the windows are smashed in. Yeah, and is it... I think the, the tires have been, like, punctured as well. Yeah. Because he goes to, like, roll it back a bit. Yeah, true. And it shows that they're punctured. And he can't find his phone. Like yeah, and in this point, I forgot this part happened. And it's kind of creepier than, like, any of the other moments where they're just kind of fucking with them is when he's like rummaging around in the footwell and this hand like reaches out, pokes his neck and he like freaks out, turns around yeah. and no one's there. I was expecting it to be Liv Tyler's character. Like where they kind of set up to oh, be okay. oh, a fake scare and it turns out to Liv Tyler. Oh uh, yeah, so yeah. So I was expecting that. And then when there was no one there, I was like, oh fuck, it actually was the fucking chick. Yeah, yeah. That that actually is cool because they've taken like something that typically happens in horror and they've spun it. Yeah. Interesting. I, I'll bring this up now, which I've said twice in this podcast now, mm. so I won't say it again. Um... I've always thought it was funny when you see scenes like that and it's in action movies a lot more than horror movies. Yeah. I guess it is too. Like when you can see someone and then they look away and they look back and they're gone. Oh, yeah. Like what does that look like from the fucking killer's perspective? Like, all right, they've they've walked away (laughs) and then fucking duck and run. (laughs) They just like sprint off by the tree or something. Yeah, it's so funny. Like you got to duck down and run. I don't know how the fuck the shape does it like Michael Myers in Halloween (laughs) because he doesn't run. Yeah. He, that he can teleport I, for sure. I have heard, I've read like fan theories that he teleports. It's like get the fuck out of here. He just ducks down behind a dumpster or something. He just looks fucking stupid. Yeah, that would be funny. Um, but yeah, and what I like about having three intruders as well is they can kind of take this like velociraptor approach <laughs> to, to the, the distractions. Clever, like clever girl. Yeah, they'll have like someone that's like in full view doing something to make them distracted and then something will happen from their left or their right. Mm. So that's really cool as well. Um, whereas I guess in films like Hush, where it's just one, it's doesn't have that same effect because I guess in The Strangers, you know, you could have just seen a dude out the window or you could have just heard someone, you know, hit something in this room, but then all of a sudden there's like something at the other end of the house, which I feel is creepier. Yeah. Well, do you think that's a deliberate homage then? Because there's, the there's a scene later when... Uh, James is out. His name's James, right? James is the guy, yeah. There you go. When James is outside with a shotgun and he sees one of the girls coming out of the barn and he mm. goes, he like aims her up, but then she flashes a light in his face and it turns oh, out... Oh, and then you the hear like something sprinting. Well, you see, yeah, Bagman's running out of behind. Do you think that's a deliberate homage to fucking Jurassic Park? No, I don't think so. I'm sure that's... I mean, dinosaurs have been around for, what, 65 million years. I'm sure that ambush... Tactic has uh, been around for I'm, centuries. I'm going to continue to think that it is. Because <laughs> there's also, like, later he's trying to bash the door down with an axe. That's clearly a shining homage. Yeah, well, too, they have later in the film where there's, like, that radio in the shed. And she's, like, trying to call for help. And then they, like, yep. smash that with the axe. More so. shining. Yeah. They've got the friend that comes to help that gets shot. Yeah. Shining. I guess, man, the shining has just been such a super influential film in the horror genre, hasn't it? And Jurassic Park. Uh, and then, yeah, so you've got that scene where, like, he's getting ambushed and uh, I think it's it's before he's got the gun and he's, like, hiding by a tree and Bagman comes over and knocks him out. He, like, runs back inside after he finds the car destroyed and then gets the shotgun. 
Because he's like, oh, oh yeah, because he needs my dad a had a yeah. shotgun hidden away, and yeah. then he's he's like, oh, I've I don't even know how to load this. I've never shot one before. And she goes, oh, but you said you used to go hunting with your dad all the time. And he says, yeah, I sometimes I say things and I don't mean it or it didn't happen or something. <laughs> oh, I think he just said like I said a lot of things or something like that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I yeah. say a lot of things. I say a lot of things. See, I thought at first that was a strange line of dialogue to have because it didn't really do anything for that current situation in the plot. But I think the reason it was left in is to kind of. Uh, alluded to the fact that there's always been some level of distrust between them. Not hence, even dis- rejection not even, of the proposal. Yeah, not even distrust, just like the fact that he's a bullshit. <laughs> yeah, just not an honest man. But I don't know. It doesn't really say how long they've been dating for, does it? No, I don't think so. Everyone tells lies, like small lies like that, <laughs> at the beginning of a relationship, surely. Yeah, I suppose when you like first dive in and you're just infatuated with someone. Yeah, it's and like, you- oh, you love hunting? I, f- I fucking hunt all the time, <laughs> man. Come on. Yeah, just put a potato sack over my head and grab an axe. You love the Spice Girls? I love the Spice Girls. (laughs) (laughs) And this is, I think, where they've got the gun and they go into the living room and this is where Bagman starts crashing through the front door with an axe like Mm. The Shining and they push the piano in front of the door and he finally loads it and shoots through the door. And um, I think after that, he then tries to go back... uh, no, no, he, they go into the bedroom, don't they? And they find like her yeah. suitcase has been rummaged through. Oh, and then yeah. hello is like written all over the window in lipstick. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. And then, then they hide in the cupboard in mm. the closet, which I really like that they did that because that's what I'd do. If, if, that, yeah. if, well, if I had a shotgun, or even not if I had a shotgun, if I was getting fucking home invaded, you find a corner or a closet and mm. you hunker down only one entrance or exit and you yeah. fucking stare at the door for the rest of the night until it's safe again. Well, that's something like, that defensible I, positions. Yeah. I found odd watching this, um, this recent time around is she knows she's home alone. She knows there's at least someone inside the house, but at no point does she have a back against a wall. Yeah. So she's she, just asking for people to creep up behind her. There's also a lot of the movie where she doesn't have a weapon. Yeah. So, I mean, she's got the knife at the start where she cuts her hand. So then James like takes it away from her. Hmm. And then he's got the gun and she just kind of like clings to him, doesn't she? Yeah, a bit of, bit of a defenseless woman, really. I mean, except for that scene near the end where she scrambles through the drawer and she pulls out that little vegetable <laughs> peeler little thing. Yeah, little fucking that's great. Uh, we that's talk- not a knife. We were talking about that. Imagine if like that happened to you. You just got to real quick grab the closest thing and you pull out like a fucking whisk <laughs> or like a potato masher oh. or something like that. Well, a potato masher could do damage, but a whisk, <laughs> well, it's good at beating. No, hey, hey, very nice. I like that. Uh, yeah, but I like yeah. So I like the fact that like they kind of make a smart decision of mm. trying to def- like hunker down and yeah. Uh, we've got a shotgun. They can't get in. Mm. We're safe. I I suppose, but to it be still f- backfires. Well, yeah, not literally, but <laughs> <laughs> see. To be fair, if you, it, it's easy to say what what you would do. It's like, oh man, if I was in that position, I'd do this. But I guess we haven't just been like terrorized, running on <laughs> adrenaline because like you don't think through when you're yeah. put on the spot like I that. I mean, I get. Horrible adrenaline if somebody talks loudly to me. So <laughs> I actually don't know how Get I... Get a phone call from an unknown number. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Look, phone anxiety is real, boy. But yeah, so maybe maybe I wouldn't be yeah. so cool in, in this situation. You make a fair point though. Like if you were at home and it's early hours of the morning, you've had someone break in. You've got three options, right? You can you can hide, you can run, or you can like... Stay and fight. You can you can attack. Mm-hmm. There's the fight or flight reaction, right? Was it f- fight or flight or faint? I think it's called. 
Because like possums, that's what they do. They just oh, like dead. they pretend that they're dead and wait for them to move on. Yeah. Oh, like that. Yeah, like people people know fight or flight, but it's actually fight or flight or faint. Oh, and like okay. those are the three things you can either fight back, run away, or play dead and hope they'll leave you alone. Interesting. I did not know that. Um, like those are your options, and then <clears throat> if it's your home, like say you weren't in that house. It's like a holiday house in the middle of nowhere. Say it's your house. Okay, I'm and a, I live in a pretty yeah. bad neighborhood, so <laughs> it's pretty easy to imagine. So say you're in bed and it's night and you hear a knock. You get up, no one's there, shut the door. And then like you come back and things are being moved and you're home alone. You know your house better than anyone else that could break in. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a smart thing to do would be is like leave all the lights off, back against the wall, grab a weapon because like... They're, they've got to like figure out Unless it's someone you know Or they've like You know Scoped out the joint mm. They've got to figure out The layout of the house You've got home field advantage Whereas yeah You know where things are Without seeing them But they have the advantage of Being a ruthless Person <laughs> who's burgling into a home So they've probably done it before That is true That is true Because I mean you could <laughs> Well okay I see behind you There's a literal dagger So you, you're good <laughs> You take the home alone approach You get washing detergent <laughs> Spew that all over the ground Get some feathers. My laundry's downstairs. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, they're hiding in the bedroom or the wardrobe it is with a shotgun perched, aiming out the door. And they're just waiting for, mm-hmm. for one of the killers to, to walk across and, and blow them away. And this is where you see the friend. James' friend rocks up outside because before this point, he called him and said, hey, look, things didn't go as planned. Could you pick me up when you're mm. done at the party or whatever? I think, so, he said, I think he says, like, I know you're drunk. Just come whenever you can. Yeah. So presumably this guy was at the wedding. Yeah. Well, he's in a suit and a tux. Imagine if he was the groom. It's their wedding <laughs> night. And you're like, yo, things didn't go to plan, man. Come pick me up. I know you're probably busy. Just pull your pants up. Come and get me. Um, yeah. And this is... Where what's his name again? It's the guy from It's Always Sunny, Glenn Howard. Yeah, see, I forgot that, and I didn't recognize him until you mentioned it. Yeah, well, I never knew who he was when I first watched the movie, but then I've gone back and watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, true. And he's such a funny character in that, but he he plays like a like a sociopath yeah. in that show. You should anyone should watch it. It's really funny. Uh, it's horrible people, really. <laughs> it's just bad people. And so the friend rocks up, and you know. Something's off because the car's destroyed. He goes up. Does he go through the front door? Was it like yeah? Because the because the, the front doors, I think yeah, it was like beaten up. With yeah, because like the, the that's right. The front doors wrecked, and there's like a chair and a piano and shit. Mm. Goes in there, and there's like he's calling out, but there's like another vinyl that's just playing yeah. super loudly. Because we made this point watching it is like oh, wouldn't you just like hear the friend yelling out for you? But I guess that's why there was that yeah, very that music. cool. Yeah, yeah so. He's like looking around the house. The room's a mess. There's obviously been a struggle. Slowly makes his way down the hall and he stops because he can like sense something's off. And then... Because Bagman's behind yeah, him. Yeah, in the background you can another see Another really there. cool shot where you can see someone stalking behind him but the guy yeah. doesn't know. Yeah, so it kind of does what they did in the kitchen scene again in the hall. Mm. And then it's like really long pause. Doesn't quite turn around. Takes like... A single step into the doorway and boom, James shoots him. <laughs> shoots him in the fucking head. All they see is a tall man in a suit, which mm. we should probably say that that's how like Bagman is dressed. Mm. And so they think they've just shot that guy, the one yeah. that like Hessian Sacco said. It's a pretty cool scene where like, 
I think she's like pleased about it, but he's like, no, nah, he wasn't wearing a fucking mask. Like, why wasn't he wearing a yeah, mask? Yeah, so he, he already knows something's off. He straight away, yeah, knows he's fucked up. Goes over the door frame, starts like sobbing violently, <laughs> and then well, he just shot his friend. In the yeah, face. and then Kristen's like, oh, what is it? Let me see. And he like throws her back and mm. says it was his friend. So they both just break down. Um, Bagman's gone from the hall. Uh, and we watched like the behind the scenes of how they did the makeup for this. Um, it's really interesting too, because they mm. had like bits of brain showing and stuff, but it was like, he had to have a plaster on. It was like, was it the three hour process they said? And yeah, they also- Three or four hours. And they made two different ones. Like yeah. one, one was like a fresh wound. Yeah. And then the other one was for like when he's been laying there in, a bit. In the morning. Yeah. And it's all like discolored. And yeah. that was really, really smart. Uh, yeah. So he's just shot his friend with a shotgun. Um, they've just ruined their own only rescue, their own chance of escape because, you know, they can't call cops because both their phones are destroyed mm-hmm. and there's no neighbors around. And because uh, James even says there's like a line in his dialogue early in the film, it's like eerily quiet. There's no dog bark, no car passing. Mm. So they kind of say blatantly, they're, you're on your own. Again, that isolation. Yeah. There's no one around to help them. Yeah. So that's just like a massive gut punch. It's like, wow, you finally had someone that could have helped you. A car that's not destroyed and you've just shot them. Well, I mean... Apart and it's your best friend, so yeah, apart, even worse. Apart from him having a car, what, what's he going to do? He's not going to help out. Just another person. Yeah, and to be fair, by this point, they've probably already slashed his tires as well. Yeah, well, because they threw a, like a brick through the windscreen already. Oh, yeah. He rocks up at the house and something comes through the windscreen. Yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, as if that wouldn't like freak you out enough. Like, stay the fuck in the car. <laughs> call the cops now. Yeah. Um, or anyway. get out with, like I don't know, a fucking tire iron or something. Yeah. And some point they like leave the room. They're out in the house. Um, James, this is when James goes out in the yard with a shotgun and gets knocked out. Kristen like makes her way to the shed and falls over and injures herself. So now she can't like run properly either. Yeah, because she's running through a field in the dark. Like yeah. you're going to fucking misstep and twist her ankle. Yeah. And what I like about that is it's her like crawling away through the grass and it shows one of the female killers like stalking her with a knife. She senses something's off. Um, Kristen like stops, turns around and no one's there again. It's like mm. when he gets touched on the neck, it's that thing again. Yeah. It, it pretty much just goes to show like the reason they're there is not just to kill them, it's to torment them. Like yeah. they, they get their fucking kicks out of yeah. tormented people. Yeah, for sure. And so she makes her way into the shed and that's where she finds the radio, which is that like Shining-esque kind of sequence. Mm. And you just hear them like running their hands along the corrugated iron walls and like just toying with them. Yeah, she, she runs out and she runs back to the house, right? Oh, no, because mm-hmm. she, she like stops outside and there's like the girl on the swings, mm. which is really creepy. Yep. And uh, yeah, she she runs back into the house. And this point, just to up the stakes even more, the friend's car is now on fire, <laughs> gets inside, shuts the door and the power cuts off. Yeah. Which I really liked because th- all this like terrifying shit has just happened in like two thirds of the film and it's been like fully lit up. Mm, yeah. And, and it's only now it's that they're in still, darkness. It's still nighttime, but yeah. everything's bright and then they just ramp it up even more. Cut like, the power. Yeah. Like I feel like in a lot of horror films, that would have been one of the first things the killers do before they even enter the house. Yeah. Well, cause they've already cut the phone line. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it's just right. Toy with them for a bit more and then cut the power. Yeah. It's like, let's remove communication. Uh, let's make them feel unsafe. Let's remove Weapons, and now let's remove light. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so things get pretty intense. And uh, I think when she's back inside, 
Uh, she this is when she hides in the pantry, right? Mm-hmm. And this is really interesting because the bagman like walks in, looks around, kind of like stalks the place out, and then just sits down at the dining table, and yeah. he just sits there for a while. Well, do you think he knew that she was in the pantry then? I think so. Like, I think he like wanted he's, to create. He's like just a, yeah, he's just more more toying with her. Yeah, I think it was like a false sense of security for her through the slats of the fucking pantry door yeah and yeah. so it's just it made, it puts you in the in her shoes mm. like just, and you can hear like the breathing as well yeah yeah and then he just kind of like gets up after a while walks out she thinks she's good she's about to leave and then one of the the women like just mm. appears in front of her with the mask and i think that's when there's like a bit of a struggle like through the door of the pantry she gets out and that's when she's like taunting her like grabbing the knife says you're gonna die or we're gonna kill you tonight or something and that's when she like scrambles through the front drawer of the kitchen and pulls out that little knife tries to escape and then Bagman appears in the hall and like slams her into a wall and knocks her out yeah yeah because then it's like next morning after this right she like comes to being like dragged down the hall and she's like like scraping her fingernails on the floorboards which was really good Mm -hmm. and James is tied up because he's Obviously, already been yeah incapacitated prior. Yeah, so they're both just put in chairs, and you've just got the three of them in front of them, mm. and in the living room, and it's now daylight. And this was really interesting too. Is there's a point where they don't say anything; they just look at them and then remove their masks one by one. But the camera obviously cuts away before you see their face. Yeah, and apparently, I read in the original ending, you see their faces. And then after they stab each of them, they like put on their clothes and tidy the house to make it look like there's not much of a struggle and then leave and find the, the two boys on the road. That'd be, yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I wouldn't like that because I like that there's a mystery that you never see their face. But at yeah. the same token, I would also like if at the end they just took their mask off and it just shows they're normal people. Like, yeah, because more into the fact of anyone's capable of this. This is just something that anything, anything mm. could happen. Yeah, like, I, something that could happen in real life. Yeah, I th- I think I prefer it that you don't see their faces, but I like that they take their masks off so the characters see their faces mm. because that kind of instills the idea in me that we can show our face because they're not going to live to tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, so it's like just amplifies that sense of dread it's like wow we're not getting it out of here alive because we're not going to get the chance to point them out in a lineup or something mm. um but another parallel i found in like hush is the main chick in that the deaf mute sort of writes in lipstick on the she, window she's not a mute she's just deaf she doesn't speak because she's deaf well but she can talk oh she can but she chooses not to i yeah, think that still she... validates him as a mute no i think mute is just what i don't know man i don't care the only reason you can't talk is if you've got like voice box issues right yeah exactly which would make them a mute (laughs) (laughs) anyway um which i guess is another parallel to the strangers is writing on a window in lipstick um i just realized but yeah she writes um won't tell anyone didn't see your face and then he just immediately pulls his mask off in like the first like 10 minutes of the movie i think when i first saw that i didn't like that because no me neither. because it was kind of soon i think after i saw the strangers yeah well no it wouldn't have been but I'd, I went in comparing it to The Strangers. Yeah. And so immediately I was like, oh, you see his face, blah, 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 I wrote it off. But looking back on it now, I like that. I yeah. really like that. It makes it more intimate. It's like, okay, you don't know like their name or anything about them, but you know them by reference mm. now. It makes it more intimate and it makes it yeah. more like he's on a mission. Exactly. Which is what I think they were going for in revealing their faces. Mm. But it's interesting because like one of the girls pulls her masks away and then Bagman kind of looks at her like 
what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and then he like hesitantly like pulls his off as well. I didn't catch that, but I like it. Okay. That. Yeah. So I think like that wasn't planned. Bit of improv. Yes. And yeah. And they've obviously done this before based on like how they've gone about this, you know, well, intrusion. You, you don't know that. They could just be naturals. They could just be very they, good. They, yeah. They're making it all up as they go along. Yeah. Um, and they, in the, I think the first theatrical version we saw, we mentioned this at the start of the episode, Kristen asks, why are you doing this? And one of the girls says, because you were home. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that here. So you, you never find out why they do it, who they are. You know, it's just very ambiguous. And a lot of people dislike that, but I think we like that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Mm. And then, yeah, the bit that I think people wouldn't like a lot here is the next minute or so is like a very drawn out, like they just fucking stab him in the chest. Yeah. And then stab him again. And then they stab her in the chest. It's and very it's really, slow. It's very drawn out of like, it's like sucking its own dick. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's it's really like, yeah, look at us kill. E, they're killing the good guys. Yeah. See, I wonder if it might have been better if it was quick. Because I know the whole point of like terrorizing them over this whole night is to have it drawn out. But how much more of a fuck you would it have been if they've just spent hours traumatizing them in their own home? Or their, ho- their holiday house, sorry. And then they just kill them by like quickly slitting their throat. It's like, this was just the fun. We're bored now. Yeah. Big yeah, on. I like that. The fun comes from the chase. Now that they've got them, it's just like, all right, well, we're done here. Like Predator. End it. Yeah. 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 I the like thrill that. of the hunt. I mean... But yeah, yeah, instead they just like slowly plunge a kitchen knife into their stomachs. Yeah, I feel like some people wouldn't like it because it's just like... Some people don't want to watch that. Some people mm. want to watch the hero succeed, not a long drawn out scene of yeah. the, bad, the bad guys stabbing the good guys. Yeah. I'm not like that. I like it. It's funny. Not and funny. What the hell? It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it is, again, um, surprisingly good acting from from those two as well when they're tied to the chairs, just like crying, you know, um, facing each other, saying, mm. I love you. Like they've just accepted that they're going to die and they're just making the most of this last moment together. Mm despite what's transpired after the wedding. I bet she wishes she said yes to him. Yeah. She would have left with him in the car. No, Mm. they would have stayed there. They would have been fucked either way. Yeah. Um, But they would have died together. Well, they still died together, but spiritually. Well, they didn't die together, did they? I don't know if we've addressed that in this episode yet. Is that... So you well, get may, may as well talk about it now because it's... They they stab him and then it cuts to black. And then the, the Jehovah's Witness kids come and find him. Yeah. And then they find the... Because they What's find Kristen, Kristen, Liv Tyler, yeah. yeah. So they find Kristen, and it just does like one of those classic horror movie, like she lunges at him, like mm. screams, like, yeah. And well, so it's just not dead, yeah. Because the three killers, they're in this like pickup truck that I don't think we touched on this, but there's like an did we touch on this? There's another point where probably not Scott Speedman's character goes to the car a second time, and the pickup truck like rams it from oh, behind, yeah. yeah. Shows that they have a car, yeah. So that was like totally destroyed that. Mm. Um, and anyways that same pickup truck the three of them are driving down the road and they see the two boys and they stop and take this pamphlet from them and he asks like are you sinners or <laughs> yeah, are, do you, are you sin are you a sinner and she says sometimes yeah um, that's, a, that's a good scene because it's it's like are they going to kill him mm. are they because she gets out of the car and she's really slow about it yeah and they don't have them asking at this point so they're just people yeah but no they just take the pamphlet and then leave and I think while they're in the car, I think one of them says, like, don't worry, we'll do better next time. Yeah, I... I, mm, Because... <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Because like I've said before, I kind of interpret that they had done this to people many times before. And now they're debating as to, like, 
how it could be done better like it was there first. Mm. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're just perfecting their their hunt and they've somehow maybe not been caught from doing maybe this Maybe you'll before. have to watch the sequel. Yeah. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, and so the boys eventually in their, their door-to-door service make their way to the holiday home and find the scene and, and Scott Speedman's character dead and Kristen's there on the floor and yeah, one of them like reaches out to grab her and she grabs his wrist and screams and, mm-hmm. and cuts the credits, which I thought was sick. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just another one of those classic horror movie last shots of jump scare. One last scare. Like this time, at least it's the, the victim. Yeah. Not, yeah. Like, not the evil person, evil bad guy. But yeah. I guess she lives then. Mm. Cause... I suppose so. Because, like, I didn't read too heavily into the sequel because, to be honest, I don't care. <laughs> um, and she's not credited as, you know, being a member of the cast. But I presume she does not reappear. Surely not. There's no way. Yeah. But the thing is, if she does survive, she's seen their faces. And the boys have seen their faces. So if she goes to a cop station and she's like, yeah, it was three people, a guy, two girls, one was blonde, one had black hair. And the boys are like, oh, wait a minute. I know what car they were driving. I know what direction they headed in. Okay, yeah. Like it unspools their own. But America's a big place. You know, they've got state lines. As yeah. soon as you cross those state lines, it's the FBI's problem. Yeah, They're, they're busy catching, I don't know, BTK or something. <laughs> but yeah, so... That's it, The Strangers. I've got to say, after watching it again after such a long time between views, mm-hmm. uh, I think I... I wouldn't say I appreciated it more, but I was glad to find that it was... <laughs> as it good was, as you remember. It was good. Yeah, like, it's it's not an amazing film. Yeah, um, it has its, its little qualms here and there, but mm-hmm. I very much enjoyed it. I like how different it is for... A thriller or for horror like even the director brian Bettino says in the behind the scenes that like everyone's calling it a terror film it's mm. like its own breed not quite of, horror not quite thriller yeah it's just torment it's just dread mm. yeah and um yeah it's it's as good as i remember it's hasn't really been tarnished over the years mm. and um well I, i'm the type of person that a lot of the horror movies that i like are storyless or they have a bit of a small story yeah and so this is right up my alley but mm. if if you're someone that needs like a complex super story yeah then i don't know if you'll like it because i think what i like about this most in terms of like home invasion films or just like people being you know assailed by killers <laughs> is that they don't like kill them or injure them until that last scene whereas you watch other horror films and Characters are getting like chased, and then when the, mm. the killer catches them, they might like stab them in the leg, and then later in the film they get shot with an arrow, and later in the film this happens and that happens. They have like close, close yeah. shaves, and they fight back. And... Yeah, in this film, the killers are literally there face to face with them, but don't touch them until the final scene. Yeah, I like that. Mm. Yeah, well, I've finished my glass of water, so. <laughs> uh, <I laughs> so we we better wrap things that, up. That's pretty much our cue to exit. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, tell us if you like The Strangers because mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of people love it, a lot of hate it. We're yeah. two people that love it. Maybe maybe there's some people yeah. that we know that don't actually like it. Plug the socials. Yeah, we are uh, Dead House Pod. That's Facebook it. and Instagram. Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, you Google can, Play. Uh, <laughs> iHeartRadio. Um, I'm just going to name them all. <laughs> just, just list them. That's it. Um, anywhere you stream your podcasts, you will find us. Well, except YouTube. <laughs> So, <laughs> no, are we not on YouTube? I don't think so. Oh, shit. Okay. We'll have to, we'll have to Minus YouTube. Take that back. Yeah. Every every Monday, we'll, we'll post a clue as to what the next next mm-hmm. week's 
episode's going to be. So see if you can guess it. And um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, we'll be right back.